Back up, please. Hello and welcome to Indicast episode number 199. I'm your host Aditya and along with me I have Abhishek. Hello everyone from two different continents as it will be from now on. Aditya is in Canada sitting somewhere in his school. Am I right? And yes. Free Wi-Fi, enjoying it. We will never have a problem of internet connectivity from now on. From Panvel to Canada. Yeah, I'm not sure about the free part though. Once you have paid for your MBA tuitions, which happens to be a bomb, nothing is free after that. Even the free information sessions that the companies give, everyone out here says, if you don't even care about the company, just go for the food there. Milk everything that you can get while you're there. Yes. You know, Indians are called as pigs. Hmm. Not here, generally in the US back then, which stands for basically poor Indian graduate students. No offense taken. Just tell them. No, no, no offense yeah. taken. So it's like the pigs are here. Yeah. Know? That's fine. <laughs> Sometimes I just have to remind myself that it was a decade ago, exactly a decade ago that I was a student. And people out here are, are of course, young, right? I'm one of the ones that is skewing the data. <laughs> so I have been, I'm being called everything from Big Daddy to Uncle to Bhau, which means Bhai. I mean, all sorts of different You, you would rather be called, call me boss. Huh? Call me boss. Or, <laughs> Or like you have some of the politicians on those hoardings that you see, Saheb. So they call themselves Saheb and Boss. Mananiya, Saheb, Shri. I've seen a few names on these hoardings back in India that have multiple things that actually convey respect. Well, there is at least one dean of a very popular college or not so popular college that we know who likes to call himself Professor, Sir, Doctor, blah, blah. Should, should we just take the name? <laughs> <laughs> I studied yeah. from that college. Oh, yeah. my God. I think you're going to have to edit Explain. this one out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, because I'm pretty sure there are a couple of people who in his office who listen to us. On a lighter note, yeah, I hope he gets the joke. You know, we love you. Yes, we do. And so let's pick up our topics. So India celebrated its 68th Independence Day. It came and it went by. Not sure if he celebrated it. The activity has gone down. My mom is a school teacher. So she said there aren't any skits that happen in the morning. Remember we used to, when we were in school, we used to have yeah. all those national integration kind of skits. I remember wearing a dhoti and playing a Maharashtrian. I don't know why they made me <laughs> wore a dhoti. But those things don't happen. Teachers go in, have this flag hoisting ceremony and they come back home. Yeah, back in school, those were the best days. Probably the Independence Day was the only time when they actually sung... One Day Matram. I love that song. It's amazing. I think it's better than our national National anthem. anthem. Well, this was the first time that our new Prime Minister Narendra Modi made his first Independence Day address. And he happens to be the first Prime Minister born after 1947. Another fact that he repeatedly kept on mentioning after his win also. There were several firsts this time. Let's talk about him speaking extempore. This guy looks so better because his predecessor, immediate predecessor, was just not a superstar when it came to a public speaking. I think he might have had speaking points written, but he wasn't looking at his dais every 10, 15, 20 seconds. So the other tradition that was broken was typically the attendees are invited to this particular function, but this time it was open to 10,000 members of the public. And then he refused to use or speak from behind a bulletproof shield, which our security agencies were not very pleased to, but he was, apparently his office was very adamant about it. It's better than Rahul Gandhi one fine day deciding to travel in Mumbai local trains on an evening. You remember that? About That's three it, years yes. back? Yeah. Yes. 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 So it's, it's still all right. Absolutely. Let's come to what he said during the speech itself. 
सब कुछ आई एम ह्योर एज योर प्रधान सेवक एंड नॉट एज योर प्रधानमंत्री ही स्टार्ट ऑफ विद दैट सो ही इज आस्ट ईच ऑफ हिज एम पी टू एंश्योर दैट एटलीस्ट फाइव इन द फर्स्ट ईयर एटलीस्ट फाइव विलेजेस हैव कम्प्लीट सैनिटेशन फेसिलिटीज इन दिस्ट्रिक्ट इट साउंड स्लो बट इट्स अ स्टार्ट द अदर अनाउंसमेंट दैट ही मेड वॉज विल बी प्रोवाइडिंग अ बैंक अकाउंट bundled with rupee 1 lakh insurance for every poor household this is going to be a national scheme he touched upon female feticide and he sort of blamed the doctors for doing it saying ki apni tijoriya bharne ke liye aap log jaan le rahe ho then he spoke about the rapes that are happening he said that our heads hang in shame when we hear about rapes parents just like you are asking your daughters about what they are up to or where they are going out they should be asking the same questions of their sons use the same yardstick basically which is a very good point right the other big thing that he mentioned about here which was development oriented was he saying that i'm telling the world to come and make in india and sell anywhere but manufacture here yeah he does keep bringing up manufacturing in all his speeches now there are so many promises he's made it he also has said to be abolishing the planning commission which has been there for many years planning commission publishes five year plans we panchavarshya yojana we have oh read about God. them during my during our school days so that will be replaced yeah. by a new institution which i read will give more weight to india's 29 states yeah it's going to be more distributed he says rather than a central body the sensex did breach its all time high so these are all knee jerk reactions to the bold promises that modi makes it will be fun to see if some of them do work out as as you also earlier said that he has made a lot of promises but the thing is i was i still am down on india for the past 8 years is that nothing right can happen here anymore so the first thing that he needed to do was change opinions or change perceptions which can only be done if you sort of be a cheerleader for the country itself that's the role that he is playing right now is like he is trying to keep everyone motivated that no everything is not lost in a way that's his primary responsibility right to keep the cheer going happy people lead to happy things well talking about making people happy let's talk about another person who was very good at it yet now that we know was very sad inside i'm talking about robin williams who committed suicide on august 11th at the age of 63 it was really sad he really was a funny guy we grew up to watching jumanji mrs doubtfire and i remember watching his first stand up act when i was in college i did not get 90% of the jokes that he cracked but he was so fast a comedian a normal comedian would talk at a pace like this you know i was walking on a park the other day when i bumped into so and so you know what i mean as a yeah. and this guy in these 5 seconds would cram in a joke and a half i remember watching that stand up act at broadway, broadway. Like, yeah. yeah he had 30 water bottles on the stage on a stool that was his companion and he would take a sip of water during the time when people would laugh at a line that he had cracked there was no pause he was probably the best living comedian around and of course he just not did comedy but he did so many other things yeah absolutely and most of these talk show hosts they have called him as their best guest ever yeah. and there was no sort of filter on him right he was completely uncensored he would say stuff about the network that he is on right now but the network could still have him back on many of his friends were interviewed friends meaning comedians who were just up and coming and they performed with him and they said that they would write a couple of jokes in the day and they would go and crack it on an evening audience at a bar hoping that one of them sticks whereas robin williams would go up there and start you know he would read a lot he would read news what is happening around so that he has a context and he would go and do jokes and his manager would keep scribbling down those jokes behind the screen behind the 
the you know parda because hopefully those could be used again recycled in the next gig one of his close friends said that robin williams during one of his evening performances spotted an 8 year old girl in the audience and he quickly edited out all the jokes which contain you know whatever profanities that he is known for and the funny thing is that after his death not only the prime minister but also the department of defense from us came out and made an announcement because he apparently used to travel a lot to all these war zones to cheer the troops up all his friends said that nobody knew about it yeah 89000 troops in his lifetime according to the statistics released by the us so he entertained 89000 troops in his lifetime some of his jokes before we go on to talk about the grim reasons for why he did it he, one of my favorite ones is he says a woman would never make a nuclear bomb they would never make a weapon that kills they'd make a weapon that will make you feel bad for a while <laughs> <laughs> and he he was divorced twice he he used to crack jokes on himself so he once he said ah yes divorce from the latin word meaning to rip out a man's genitals through his wallet so <laughs> carpe diem seize the check one of his famous dialogues carpe diem from dead poets society and he did aladdin when he did that it was the first time in the history and nobody has ever done that since the studio actually rewrote aladdin's character to suit williams improvisation it was that good that's awesome but it's just so strange that you know one of the comments that i read that my brother sent me was that it's surprising how can someone who spreads so much laughter can yeah. be so sad inside and the other one from what depths of his soul would robin williams have scrapped out all the laughter and pleasantries for us which is so true man if you are alcohol addiction cocaine addiction coming out 20 years sober clinical depression and then you go and entertain again one of his comedian friends said that i don't know if there is any correlation between funny men and being sad there are many clichés out there but the ones who do suffer depression he says that you would go up there for two and a half hours do your gig go back into your van and creep back into darkness is what he said if you are suffering from these things you are on medication obviously hopefully and just like a lawyer or a teacher or anybody else would be depressed comedians too are but their life is so much more out there if you don't get a laugh or a joke you can't be standing there yeah but that was my first reaction is that he probably killed himself because he didn't have work or he wasn't at his peak anymore but that was not the case no stage work low budget films there were some six of them i think there was a sequel for mrs doubtfire that was being discussed so he had enough things on his plate yeah i can't recall of any other comic today who has the same energy yeah. and the ability to make people go so wild and it's said <laughs> That night that Jesus turned to his disciples and said one of you shall betray me. And Peter said is it me Jesus and Jesus said no it is not you Peter. And Simon said is it me Jesus and Jesus turned to Simon and said no it is not you Simon. And Judas said is it me Jesus and Jesus turned to him and said me Jesus. <laughs> Thus you see two traditions beginning Jewish sarcasm and gentile humor together born. <laughs> Mother Teresa never had a line of product she never had her own perfume compassion by mother teresa <laughs> I smell because I care compassion <laughs> Gandhi never had Gandhi jeans whether you're simply not eating or telling the english to get the fuck out Gandhi jeans <laughs> they come in size 1 and below <laughs> because Gandhi was an amazing man they asked Gandhi what do you think of western civilization he said i think it would be a wonderful idea <laughs> India is the bomb, Pakistan is the bomb, and we are prepared to fight over Kashmir. And your fucking president probably thought it was a sweater. What an asshole! <laughs> Now many of you have seen Shakespeare done very much like this. Oh, Titus, bring your friend hither. <laughs> But if any of you have seen Mr. Marlon Brando, 
No, with Shakespeare can be different. France, Romans, countrymen. Let me rest. You think about Shakespeare, you think about a man basically with the education, second grade education, wrote some of the greatest poetry of all times. I think maybe not. I don't know. Wandering around Stratford after a couple of beers, knocking on doors, going, Is this to be or not to be? <laughs> Mine. Mine. I'm William Shakespeare, right? Kiss my tights. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever do any Shakespeare? You did, wait, did. you did Waiting for Godot? I did Waiting for Godot. Yeah. I did Shakespeare. I've, it's exciting to wear tights and have people go, I can't see anything. He's no Nuriyev. Someone give him a dagger. <laughs> Schwarzenegger walks into the room. I'm back. Watch out, Denmark. <laughs> Mother, come here. I love you. Big kiss for you. Sorry, you're dead. <laughs> Look over here. I'm going to do another speech, but first, I'm going to tear through a wall and flex my nipples. <laughs> I know Nicholson. You can think of him. Yeah, he'd, be great. he'd be great Hamlet, just like, neither a borrower nor a lender be. <laughs> and the t-shirts keep for thine self. <laughs> I've been nominated twice. It's so nice to watch somebody else win. <laughs> and they read the name and they go, and the winner for best actor is someone other than you. <laughs> and you sit there and they keep the camera on and you you're and you're supposed, supposed to, go. to go like, I'm so happy. <laughs> it's going to be nice. You can be really truthful and go, ah, ah. <laughs> Give it to me! Hey, you don't even have a green card! Give it to me! <laughs> And the Oscar goes to Robin Williams in Good Hunting. Oh, man. This might be the one time I'm speechless. Thank you so much for this incredible honor. Thank you, Ben and Matt. I still want to see some ID. Thank you, Gus Van Zandt, for being so subtle you're almost subliminal. And most of all, I want to, I want to thank my father... Up there, the man who, uh, when I said I wanted to be an actor, he said, wonderful, just have a backup profession like welding. <laughs> to quote from Whitman, Oh me, oh life of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, what good amid these, oh me, oh life? Answer, that you are here. That life exists and identity. That the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. That the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? Great man. Great actor too. Absolutely. Rest in peace is what we can say. The other topic that we have, which is sort of depressing again, is the Ebola breakout that has happened in the African continent once again. And this is the 26th Ebola breakout as such that has been recorded. This outbreak is the worst ever. It has killed at least 1145 people, which was around three days back. And the on-ground support staff or people who are trying to contain it are saying that it is massively underreported. Deaths are massively underreported right now. It has no known cure or vaccine. It kills 90% of those who are infected. It is transmitted through fruit bats, which is eaten by those living in Western West Africa. It's part of their cuisine. And you get infected by 
people carrying the disease, although it's not as contagious as you know, flu or influenza, because each victim can pass it only to one or two others as compared to SARS, let's say, which was four to five people. So you can travel with a guy who has Ebola on a plane, but you don't want to be coming in touch with any of his bodily fluids like blood or vomit or sweat. And these are the reasons why people do get contracted. So it can be contained. But the problem is there are a few superstitions and a few, you know, after death, you want to bathe the dead body. These are the things why people are getting infected. People are adamant about doing these rituals. The rituals. Ah, thank you. That was a word I was looking for. <laughs> the rituals. The healthcare workers are complaining about, about these things. And people from Liberia, Sierra Leone and Guinea, they are not too trusting of the West when they come to help them. There have been stories where they, these healthcare workers have been stoned and asked to flee because they feel that this is all just a setup. And in fact, they've brought the virus to infect all these people around. Also in the past, there have been cases when they wanted to test out a drug and they have artificially started a disease so that they can test out the drug in really? this country. Oh yeah, there's an entire movie on it, which oh. is based on true story. Yeah, you should check that movie out. One of the awesome What, movies. Constant Gardner? Was it? Was, I don't Constant know. Gardner, I think that that's the movie. Their hesitation is understandable. However, what has been now said is that there is a vaccination from a Canadian company which hasn't undergone human trials right now. Canadian government has actually decided to donate a several hundred doses of this experimental Ebola virus. That is, if the countries want it. They have specifically mentioned that it has not been tested. So we don't know what the long-term symptoms or side effects are going to be. But the initial tests are very positive. So far... Because there is no cure, the only solution is to isolate them, you quarantine them. In fact, in Liberia, they've created plague villages, just like you had during medieval Europe. A whole village is being isolated. And, and what you do is you keep these patients hydrated, you monitor their blood pressure, treat any infections that might be occurring because you are suffering from something, and see if the symptoms develop. If none of them develop for 21 days, then a person is deemed to be virus-free, so, which is quite deadly, isn't it? You just wait for the person to see if he gets better. If he doesn't, he's going to die anyway. Because the symptoms are very similar to that of malaria or typhoid and cholera. Which makes it even harder to diagnose Ebola, right? It is only later in the stages that people with Ebola, they start bleeding internally and externally through ears and nose, they say. And that is when they know. And then the other argument is, should we be treating a whole human machinery and medical machinery to treat this disease? Because uh, World Health Organization kept aside $100 million for this. They declared it a state of international concern and emergency and all that. One side of the argument is, look, it has only killed 1,100, you said, right, people, which is a single day damage by AIDS, malaria or TB or diarrhea. Is it too trivial to go after it? There is one section of the West which thinks so. They were quite unhappy when they had two Americans that were flown down to Atlanta to be treated of Ebola because the Ebola virus can only be found in West Africa and that part of the world. But it has similarity to AIDS, they say. Both were new diseases. Both came out of African jungles. And had it been diagnosed back in 1959 when there was one guy in Congo who had it, they let it go. 39 million lives could have been saved, apparently. No disease is too trivial to be left at its own once you know that it's it's deadly. That's a very interesting argument. Is that is it too trivial given the other disease? Because Ebola has been killing four people every day in West Africa. Diarrhea kills 404 every day. Malaria 500. HIV 685. So when you compare that, it's it's nowhere in the picture, but it's a deadly virus. You must have seen full-bodied suits, doctors roaming around. Unfortunately, some 60 healthcare workers and doctors have died in this. Do you think it is because of the nature of the disease is that since there is no cure available, that's why there is more brouhaha about the epidemic? 
Yeah, could be because you are just hoping that the virus dies by itself and you give medications to suppress the symptoms and if your immune system is good enough to fight that you might come out of it. 90% of those who are diagnosed with Ebola do not live. There is a British doctor who was diagnosed with it back in 1976. He didn't know that he had it, but his immune system was such that he could fight it. He was interviewed by the BBC. He said, "I don't know how I got cured. I'm a doctor and I don't know how I came out of it." Let's see how that goes and we'll keep an eye on that one and we hope that this this thing dies off. The economic impact is huge, man. There are foreign companies have pulled off their workers, British Airways and Emirates mm. and two other African airlines have stopped their flights a few indian doctors have been asked to return to india but the hospitals that they work for they have their passports and aren't letting them go saying that you can't be leaving the hospital when there is an outbreak or when your health is needed the most there is one medicine sans frontiers it's a non-profit organization they have 850 health workers in that region they say that its staff simply cannot do more they have been working for 20 hours straight every day and one of the reasons why doctors have died in this is that because of a little negligence they might just wipe their brow with their hand and the sweat and it gets in contact with the blood of this patient and then they contract it if you rub your eyes for instance so it's it's not contagious but people are dying even the doctors sadly uh, let's hope that the the vaccine from the canadian government or the canadian company works out and does not have any side effects however the one side effect of technology in the form is affecting birds migratory birds that we know of and for the first time scientists have demonstrated that magnetic compass of robins goes completely out of whack when they are exposed to am radio wavelength electromagnetic right. interference yes which is basically your mobile phones even if you are charging a mobile phone or human gadgets like radio and cell phones etc so when there are these birds flying over urban sprawls they have something called as an internal compass which they use to align themselves in the direction of migration so they get a little confused and so there there's this one doctor Henrik Moritzson and his colleagues at the University of Oldenburg they figured this out after carrying out 10000 experiments one of the common ways by which these scientists see how the birds migrate is they put them in funnel shaped cages they are lined with blotting paper from the inside and during migration seasons when these birds try to escape the cage they leave scratch marks on the paper by consistently clawing the side of the cage that corresponds to the direction of migration even though you don't have visual cues like suns and the stars the birds rely on this internal compass but the problem was when this moritzson dude he lived in denmark for all his life he did these experiments there they worked well you know they didn't know why the same experiment failed when he did it in germany in a city but when he did it in denmark in open sprawls there was no problem at all and then they said hey we got to figure this out and It's quite interesting how they did it. They they built a wooden hut using the principle of a Faraday's cage, meaning I we didn't learn this in school or college, but science can be so interesting. So they 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 put a shield, <laughs> they, they put a shield of conductive material that blocks radio waves from penetrating. And then they had this eureka moment when the researchers uh, connected this hut to a grounding wire and they sent out little bit of. electromagnetic force in there and the birds were completely confused they did not scratch the blotting paper inside in the direction that corresponds to migration but they were just going haywire you sound so excited <laughs> i should have taken science but the only fear was i would fail miserably it was only for the dude you were supposed to do a lot of things you were supposed to be a wicketkeeper wicket yeah yeah play at least ranji level <laughs> right you're supposed to be a scientist but this is interesting now, you know, this, now, yeah. now, now i actually understand why Indian mythologies say that you get seven chances why they believe in rebirth 
is so that you can come back and do shit that you actually want to do. Right? <laughs> I, I, I'd like to believe I'm dangerously living on six and a half chance. I really have to make <laughs> something of whatever is left of my life. Dude, this is quite interesting. A little research tells me that there is a light sensitive protein in the bird's retina. It's called a cryptochrome. And mm. it tells the bird how to align its head with respect to the earth's magnetic field and the earth's magnetic field is very very feeble and when the light from the sun hits this cryptochrome in the eye of that bird now please stay with me don't yeah, lose yeah i'm calling right? i'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, here right yeah. so what happens is it spawns a pair of molecules they are uh-huh. called free radicals it each one has one electron generally a molecule has two electrons right and little that we have been taught they neutralize their joint magnetic fields by having just two electrons they keep revolving around but because they are unpaired this time and after they split from the mother molecule there is what einstein says some spooky action at a distance happens here so you are just making stuff up now it's true you it says just... that quantum mechanics dictates that these electrons remain entangled even in their disjointed existence so even after they come off from their mother molecules they are still entangled so in other words behavior of one affects the other irrespective of how far apart they are from each other they are detached but attached exactly <laughs> so and in such a state they perform a complicated dance by spinning about several million times per second and because they remain entangled even after they are disjoined they can switch their positions at will so what happens is when these mobile phone gadgets and all of that come this electromagnetic force how do they affect it just like a little kid like just like your 5 month old 6 month old baby when you clap to one side of his ear he look in that direction these birds cryptochrome causes that bird to look in the direction of whatever disturbance there is so these electromagnetic things that are emitted out of even human gadgets which there have been so many reports that it's harmful for the human body too and they are all hogwash they actually do hurt the birds when they travel up there but it's not an end game because these birds have backup systems like sun and the stars and they navigate by that just like the sailors did back back in the days I was just going to say that evolution will probably take care of this. The one example, one real example that I've been seeing is that someone I know, my father, cannot to save his life use an app or swipe through something on his phone. He can tell you by just looking at a concrete mist that the ratio of water to the gravel is not right. He can do that, but he cannot use a touch phone, right? But my seven-month-old kid, he's just brought up with touch phones. Now, if you show him buttons, he's like, what the yeah. hell? <laughs> Well, what's this? Yeah, this is evolution, right? I'm pretty sure the birds will figure something out by then. I'm completely spent by all the science talk that I don't understand half of it, but it was fun reading about it. <laughs> yes, and you sounded very excited. Uh, this is I why we so. came to cast this, so that we can get excited about these stuff, which we were not cut out to do in our real life. <laughs> yeah, and then why would you actually ever read and tell someone? You could probably read it and then yeah. be excited for yourself, but then. talking about it i can feel how geekily happy you what i also discover is it's hard to translate those those thoughts into <laughs> words which is why people like robin williams are geniuses exactly expressing your thoughts so one of the things that we are being taught out here is the importance of expressing your thought well and concisely you know it doesn't matter what you know unless you can express yourself or your feelings in a concise manner that's big out there. you you got to ask william you remember that again stand up act about exp- expressing yourself he says that if you want a linguistic adventure go drinking with a scotsman because you can't understand them before and then he does <laughs> this scottish bloke expressing himself in a way that will throw you out of your seat man the way he used to improvise 
Rest in peace again, Mr. Robin Williams. Rest in peace. And those were the topics that we had. Another topic that was shared with us was by Vikram Goel, who is, you remember he had shared a picture from Tromso, Norway. So he sent us a link saying that the chess Olympiads were held in Tromso and the Indian team came in at third place at the 41st Chess Olympiad. Wow. I hope you enjoyed and so let's get down to the last section that we have, which is of the picture submissions. We have received pictures from three people this time. One from Nirav Patel, who is from Canada. He shared uh, a beautiful picture of a photo frame that is hanging over that was hanging in front of him. It has Krishna on in the frame, which is very apt given that Govinda just happened. Uh, Samir Damani from Mumbai has also sent us a picture, a photo of his screen that he was working on. Oh, so did Ashok. Uh, he said that, hey, this is a boring picture and he had Indicast on it. Said, <laughs> <laughs> this is what I was looking at when I was listening to you. So what we are doing here is at this moment, while you are listening to us, just click any picture that is around you and send it at Indicast at theindicast.com. We love those pictures. We have a section on the website that we are posting these pictures just below the episode notes. Maybe we'll migrate them to one single page where we'll have all your images. So thanks a lot. Please keep sending them in. And we also have been asking you to submit sounds from the area around you, which is if you find something interesting, just flip your phone, record that 10 second clip, send it to us and write a little description on the email. And we have one this time from Anandita. She writes that once a month on the day of the full moon night or the Purnima at the Isha Foundation in Coimbatore, the Bhairavi Devi is brought out of a temple for a short date with Shiva. You can hear drums, music, Swami's dancing with big pots of fire around and there's an arti of the deity and hundreds of onlookers witnessing this. Lots of action. Listen to this. Well, that was it. That was the one that we had from Anandita. That was beautiful. We would love for you to do this. It won't take much. Just record one, send it to us. We'll play them at the end of the episode. Absolutely. And so those were the topics that we had. Until next time, we hope to keep going now that I'm settling down into a schedule myself. After having baby-proofed the apartment for the first time in his life, you're growing up. I mean, I'm doing so many things that I had never imagined that I would be doing. Baby-proofing was just one thing. And man, it takes up a lot of work to set up a, a home. A bachelor's apartment, eh, you can get by. That was 10 years ago. when you were. That was 10 party. years ago. And there are just so many small things when there's a kid involved. No wonder they call you dad, uncle. Big daddy. Uh, big, big daddy. daddy. Yeah. <laughs> I, in the next 10 minutes, I have to be in a class that says concepts in finance, which I need. <laughs> I've never done finance before, so I need to rush for that. So that's about it. Don't forget, as Abhishek said, send us your pictures of the things that you're looking at right now and the soundscape. It's really awesome to see what you're doing, where you are when you're listening to us. That's about it, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And if you want a linguistic adventure, go drinking with a Scotsman. Because you can't fucking understand them before. You land in Scotland and they're going, Dude, get out of here, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right, here we go, yeah? Fuck, yeah, you've got to burn the bullets, that's it, right? Put it up in your neck, mate. Sure. Oh, fuck, sure, right? Man, you know, we're not going back to the tweak your ass on the floor, right? Okay, mate?